minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. And we are absolutely pumped to be back with you for another episode. But today is not just any episode. No, today we are celebrating episode 100 of the Pack-A-Day podcast, and we have a great show lined up today. Andrew, why don't you go ahead and tell the people what we have on tap to help us celebrate the 100th episode of the podcast. Well, a big question is, how do you celebrate milestones? And so I think it's really important to focus on what has made Packaday Podcast what it is for the first 100 episodes. And the first thing I thought of, of course, was myself, right? Um, <laughs> I, I thought we should just dedicate the whole episode to highlighting all my great takes and all the funny things that I said. Um, but as always, Kyle likes to pull me down and refuses to give people what they want, and that is me in the spotlight. Somebody's so, got to do it. <laughs> so instead, we're going to settle for two fantastic guests, two what I would consider to be titans of our industry. Um, and up first, we have the founder, creator, and godfather of our very own Packaday podcast, Mr. Andy Herman. Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to talk some Packers football. So we want to just get kicked off. Tell us where the idea and the inspiration for the Packaday podcast first came from. Oh, that's a really good question. So I've been thinking, or I was thinking about doing something similar to it for some time and uh, just never exactly had, you know, whether it be the right timing or the exact right idea. And I wasn't really sure exactly how I wanted to go about doing it. And one of the podcasts that I'm actually really a fan of is the New York Times show, The Daily. And they do a daily episode on something news related, something new every single day. And I just felt like there was some sort of thirst from Packer fans for that type of content where they would literally be pumped up by having a new podcast every single day. So that was kind of my initial thought is in the daily does it five days a week. They don't do it seven days a week. So as to have like a five day a week podcast. And my thought is when I put this out there on Twitter to see who might be interested, that I would get maybe a handful of people who might be interested. And I was hoping to maybe get one person each day so that one person would do a singular podcast. Like I would go Monday, somebody would go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then we'd start it over the next week. And everyone would be just responsible for their own day. I thought that would be like the best case scenario. And then all of a sudden I got like 200 people-ish that were interested and they were all really, really great. And uh, I had to somehow crazily narrow it down to like 20 people. And now we've got this awesome team who are, you know, everyone's going, we've got every single day, it's 365 days a year. And it's really crazy that we're already at day 100. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that we're just really only a couple months in, but we are off to an amazing start. And it's really, it's already listed among the top podcasts for Packers fans. So uh, great things have already happened. Where do you see the podcast heading in the future? Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, I, I, first of all, I think we've had such amazing guests so far and everyone is just doing such an incredible job and really every individual podcaster really deserves all of the credit because uh, as you guys know, I'm not giving you 
you know, list of things that you need to talk about or giving you anything from a creative standpoint. You guys have full creative control of what you're doing, what guests you have on. And I think that's really kind of the cool thing. And we have a ton of different personalities on. So we've got, you know, a Mark Eckel, who's a former beat writer. And we've got a Jake Turner, who's going to school for, you know, broadcast journalism. And, you know, we've got college kids, you know, um, like Janelle Mackey. And then we've got, you know, just this whole breath, you know, Zach Jacobson, who writes for Cheesehead TV and just people who are at totally uh, different aspects of their career. And I think people are just going to continue to get better and better at it. And I think uh, we're going to gain, you know, more of a following. I think we're going to have more awesome guests. And I think, you know, we started right as training camp was starting. And I think we were just trying to get kind of the training wheels on and figure out how to, at least I was, I know a lot of people are much better and much more prepared to podcast than I was originally going into this, but I think we were just kind of getting the ball rolling a little bit. And then I think going forward, once the season's done and we can kind of look back a little bit, I think we're going to be able to really even brainstorm even more and come up with more ideas. I know for pretty much all of us that's doing this, this is also the really busy time. People are writing articles for their respective websites and watching a ton of games. So I think once we even get to our first off season and then start doing draft stuff and start doing all of that exciting, you know, free agency review, breaking down the players who left the team, breaking down the players that are still on the team and I think all those things are going to be really fun. And I think it's even going to take another jump and step forward from there. Yeah. One one of the things that I really enjoy about the podcast are the variety of different hosts, like you were talking about. I I think I've probably listened to 75 or maybe more of our hundred episodes. And I can honestly say I would be a huge fan, even if I wasn't part of the podcast, um, because there's a great variety, like there's film gurus, um, such as Andy. Um, and then there's people that are just total lunatics who just want to act like crazy fans like me. Um, <laughs> and I think absolutely kind of everything in between that spectrum and that that's what makes it interesting. Um, but anyways, enough about our show. I know Kyle, you want to get some thoughts on an actual football topic. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, we, we know that you uh, have just kind of finished up this in-depth look at Ha Ha Clinton Dix. You know, you wrote that article, uh, you looked at the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you really held nothing back. Uh, it was a great read, but obviously he's no longer with us. Uh, may he rest in peace. But first question, uh, we know you've, you know, kind of become a big deal this last year or so. Do you think that Brian Gutekunst read your deep dive on Clinton Dix and that's what caused him to pull the trigger on this trade? Yeah, absolutely. I think. <laughs> I think that's definitely the case. I also think Blake Martinez had a better game this week after reviewing my review as well. No, I think that's 100% not the case, obviously. Um, but it was, you know, it was a really cool piece to do. And really, the reason that I did that piece is Pro Football Focus and I, and I don't go back and review the grades from Pro Football Focus until I'm totally done for the week. But Pro Football Focus and I generally are in the same, at least, stratosphere when we're grading players. It's usually somewhat close. And the HaHa Clinton Dix grade and the Blake Martinez grade, but specifically HaHa, was two totally ends of the, you know, different ends of the spectrum. So I had HaHa as the third rated going into that week. I had him as the third lowest graded Packer defender. Of course, they had him going into that week as the second or third highest rated safety in the league. So just totally opposite ends of the spectrum. So I wanted to go back and be like, all right, was there any, you know, preconceived bias that I had? Is there anything I missed? You know, what what happened that we're so far apart? And I love what Pro Football Focus does. I've been a subscriber for years now, uh, but this one, I just don't see what they're seeing. And I know they weight turnovers very heavily and they should. I mean, he's had some really big plays. In fact, he's been really one of the only Packers that's been able to 
to force turnovers on defense. But, uh, I, you know, there's just so much murky stuff in the middle where the effort is in question, the angles are in question, it actually plays. I've just finally reviewing the end of this Rams game. There are some plays where he is just, uh, you know, really taking poor angles again. And it just doesn't seem like he cares. And it's just, it was very, very frustrating. And, I, and unfortunately, I think, that this is a situation where it's addition by subtraction. And I was always hoping that it was going to turn around and he was really going to be that first round player out of Alabama that was going to be great. And it just hasn't clicked the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you and Brian Gutekunst saw some things the same way and uh, it just was maybe better to move on. But a serious question, it sounds like Tremont is going to get the first look, uh, Tremont Williams, that is, at filling that safety opening that's been left by HaHa. Uh, how do you anticipate that he'll do in making that transition? Yeah, I think I think he'll be okay. I, I think it'll be an interesting transition. I'm all for getting more cover guys on the field in today's NFL. You know, the hard-hitting guys, you know, either they're sometimes a little bit too slow or you're getting the penalties now from uh, the way that the league is setting things up, uh, you know, for secondary players and safeties coming up and making huge hits. So I think the more coverage guys you can have on the field, the better. I think always from a safety position, the best thing you can have is that true single high safety that's going to go sideline to sideline, that Earl Thomas in his prime. Obviously, those are really, really tough to find. But I think the second best thing you can have is a safety who can come up and cover, uh, you know, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, whatever you need to do and really use them as a chess piece on the back end. As you guys know, Green Bay uses a lot of slot blitzes. And what that what ends up happening is a lot of times you get a, you get a slot receiver that's matched up against the safety, whether it be Kentrell Bryce or HaHa Clinton Dix previously. And now all of a sudden you've got potentially Tremont Williams that's coming up and he's been playing slot corner specifically this last week, but throughout his career. So I think that could potentially be a really nice chess piece for Mike Patton to have. And I think they have the corners on the roster where they've got the versatility to try to move him back at safety. Absolutely. Uh, we want to thank you, Andy, for coming on the show and for spending your night with your two favorite podcasters on the pack a day <laughs> podcast uh, and celebrating this 100th episode with us. Yeah, you bet. Thank you guys so much. First of all, you guys have been one of the teams, obviously, that's been doing it every single week. Uh, you guys have been every Friday, no questions asked. I, I'm 99.9% sure you've never missed even me, even, even one of you has missed a show. So thank you guys for everything that you do. And I appreciate you having me on and uh, perfect team to have for episode 100 for sure. Well, absolutely. We love doing it. And uh, thank you so much for letting us be a part of this. Uh, I'm sure our listeners already follow you on Twitter, but if they don't, they should. Uh, you can find Andy on Twitter at Scani Sports. He is an incredible. So again, thank you so much for joining us, Andy. And uh, we just are, are so happy to be a part of this and uh, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Thanks, guys. But now we are really excited to be joined by Brian Caravu. Brian is the host of the Railbird Central podcast and is really one of the pioneers in P Packers podcasting. Railbirds was one of the first Packers podcasts I ever listened to and the first podcast brave enough to have me on as a guest. And so it is an absolute honor to have Brian join us today on the Pack-A-Day podcast. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you, guys, and uh, congratulations on 100 episodes yourselves. Thank you very much. Um, so Kyle and I have one thing in common, um, and that is that we actually both got our first podcasting experience by being guests on Railbird, which is uh, sort of sort of a cool moment then to to have you on the show. And since that was our first foray into the podcast world, we were wondering a little bit about what your entry point into talking about the Packers was and how you got started covering Green Bay. 
Boy, do do we have an hour? Um, <laughs> we do. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest condensed version. But I mean, it all started back in about 2005, really before anybody knew what a blog was. But I had actually learned what a blog was in like a graduate level class and uh, uh, kind of uh, we're trying to apply it professionally. But then uh, I was a teacher at the time and had my summers off and I happened to just so live right next to Lambeau Field. And uh, so what I would do during the summer, you know, being a teacher, my summer vacation was many days spent going to training camp practice or, you know, even mini camp uh, during that time of year. And uh, and blogging about the Packers, really going to watch practice, coming back to my house and and providing immediate reaction. And and Kai was kind of ahead of the curve before, you know, all the the mainstream media really wised up. And now they do the same and and, and really get articles out very quickly. But at the time, like uh, it was very, you know, not many people were doing it. And uh, I got a lot of attention for just being on the the curve of, 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 of blogging, so to speak. And, um, you know, that led to a lot of opportunities, uh, from, you know, all sorts of publications, uh, freelancing, uh, uh, many of it, a lot of time spent with cheesehead TV, uh, but lots of other places as well. And then about 2010 got into starting the railbird central podcast, now it's uh, just about 900 episodes old. Um, so you, you guys will probably surpass me soon, seeing as I'm down to a weekly podcast now. Uh, but uh, but no, it's it's been fun all along. Uh, I've had a great time doing it. That's awesome. And obviously there's a ton of rich history with Railbird Central, and we've all enjoyed listening to it over the years. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the present that you alluded to and even the future of Railbird Central. Yeah. So, uh, as I was saying, you know, almost 900 episodes, uh, have had, you know, just tons of guests on the show from, from really all walks, um, from, from players to coaches, to media members, to, uh, bloggers, podcasters, you name it, and ha- had done it religiously, you know, three days a week for, for several years, um, you know, maybe taking some time off for a personal vacation or something like that. Uh, but basically year round and, and, uh, I, you know, the, the NFL draft and free agency, uh, interests me almost as much as the regular season. So I never had any shortage of things to talk about for years. Um, now of course, uh, I'm in a different line of work and, uh, one that takes up a lot more of my time than it used to. And we're down to a once a week podcast now, um, but, uh, still enjoying it, uh, a little bit different format now. I, now I have a co-host, uh, but it's still fun and, uh, enjoy doing it. So one of the reasons why you had to kind of slow down on Railbird Central was when you announced that Beer Rock Madison was opening. So, um, could you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah. So I am the, uh, co-owner along with my wife of Beer Rock Madison, a craft beer bar and restaurant in, uh, Wisconsin's capital city. And, uh, it's a very fun venture, uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, a lot of my, uh, uh, end is, uh, uh, controlling the front of the house and, um, uh, I'm, I'm in charge of the beer selection and, uh, curating our tap list and things like that. And 
The other things I'm doing is uh, uh, managing our marketing end of things, uh, creating events to garner interest, trying to get people in the door, um, including doing Railbird Central at the bar once a week on Tuesday nights. So we do it in front of a live audience now. And uh, uh, as a you know, as I'm much busier, I don't have quite the time anymore to be doing the three day a week, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday anymore. But it's a lot of fun just doing it one day a week, doing it with somebody else, doing it in front of a live audience. Uh, so it's 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 a different beast now, but uh, still having as much fun as ever. And uh, I see it continuing, you know, being a one day a week thing for the for the foreseeable future. Might that change down the road? Perhaps, but uh, not anytime soon. Yeah. So if if I'm going to come and visit Rock, and I I still am, I told you on Twitter (laughs) that I was going to come and the next time I'm in Madison, I'm going to stop by. What are you recommending that I have to eat and drink? For my first visit, <laughs> uh, you know, as far as drink goes, uh, I, I can point anybody in the direction, but you got to give me a style of beer you like. Do you do you like bitter IPAs? Do you do you like dark beers? I, then I can point somebody in the right direction. So what we'll talk personally when you come. Yeah. But so- as far as. Yeah, it sounds like this is going to be a long night for me. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Um, as far as food goes, I mean, I would suggest anybody to uh, have the classic beer rock, which is a uh, beer rocks are meat pies. And this is the whole thing. You, you, you see the name beer rock and people think, oh, it has something to do with beer. It's a craft beer bar. It it doesn't. It, it's just coincidence. A, a beer rock is a meat pie. And it's the family recipe of my wife that goes back generations it's a volga german recipe and and the classic is uh you know they're they're all uh you know basically a freshly baked dough uh they have different you know things stuffed inside of them the classic is beef sauerkraut and onion it's kind of uh what we're known for our our flagship beer rock so to speak and uh i think it's real tasty but you know if that's not your style we got all sorts of other ones Lamb, sausage and mushroom, tofu, peanut, kimchi. So uh, whatever you're in the mood for, we got something for you. Awesome. It sounds like I may need to make a trip up from St. Louis to Madison to try one of these meat pies uh, sometime in the near future. That sounds amazing. Um, We do want to have you uh, give us a little bit of content on the Packers uh, while you're here. Um, Sunday's game did not end well. Um, It was maybe one of the more frustrating losses that this team and this fan base have experienced in a long time. Uh, But the Packers did go into the Coliseum and put up a good fight on the road against a very well-coached and talented football team in the L.A. Rams. So, Brian, after Sunday's game, would you say that you personally are more optimistic about the 2018 Green Bay Packers? Or is this loss just kind of a confirmation of the frustrations that so many have had with this team thus far this season? That's a difficult question because... Uh, it, it honestly, to me, it's a little bit of both. I, I am optimistic in that, wow, they went on the road against an undefeated team, one of the best teams in the NFL, and went toe-to-toe with them, and they easily could have won that game, uh, had a couple bounces of the ball gone their way and maybe not fumbled a kickoff at the end, <laughs> beside the point. Uh, we can talk more about that later. But, I, I mean, the, the timing of these the schedule here just does not set up well. Now, following a disappointing loss, they got to go on the road and face New England, who, while maybe 
maybe not quite as tough as the New England teams of the past. It's it's still a t- good, you know, a, this dynasty team coached by Bill Belichick that you know is going to be coached well, quarterback by Tom Brady, uh, on the road in prime time, national television. I just, I'm not optimistic that they're going to come out of here with a victory. Certainly, could they? Sure. Um, but now, I mean, if you get another loss, that's two consecutive losses, you're below 500 already. Now you're going to be two games below 500. And, and if they lose and it it could just, I could see it spiraling out of control or at least, you know, out of control to the point where they don't make the playoffs. Um, so, you know, I, I hope that, that, that's the, the logical side of me, I guess, uh, thinks that way. I, I certainly hope they win. I think there's a possibility they could win if they play as well as they did in Los Angeles. Um, it would be a hard-fought victory if they did. So I'll be cheering for it. But uh, I just, uh, if I had to put money on it and just, you know, win or lose, I would say the Packers lose this weekend. Just so it, it's a little bit of both. Interesting. Well, what are your thoughts on the uh, haha Clinton Dix trade to the Washington football team? Yeah, uh, the Washington racial slurs, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, haha Clinton Dix trade, you know, I wasn't necessarily upset that the Packers got rid of him. Uh, I have mixed feelings about haha Clinton Dix. It seemed to me like, boy, when it, whenever he knows he can get his hands on the football, when he can grab an interception or break one up, boy, he, he tries really hard, and you see that center field kind of range out of him. But ask him to do the dirty work, and, you, boy, you got to put your body on the line to make this tough tackle, and it's going to hurt afterwards. You know, you, you don't always see the best effort out of him. And, and for the great safeties, you do see that effort. And and I just never saw that out of HaHa Clindix. You, you saw the flashes, you saw the glimpses, and you gave him the benefit of the doubt his rookie year, his second year in the NFL, thinking, well, it's going to click. And it just, it's never fully clicked for him. And uh, so I, I wasn't, you know, knowing that he's going to be a free agent, knowing that, you know, they they could eventually get some sort of compensation, even if he left in free agency via comp pick. I wasn't necessarily disappointed the way the Packers got rid of him. I thought it was shrewd because, you know, you don't have to wait for the comp pick. You get the fourth round pick now. Um, it, it's a little tough to swallow knowing that, you know, behind him, the, the depth is pretty poor at, at safety in particular. Uh, in Green Bay, uh, they're going to have to address the position next year, probably in the NFL draft. Um, and, and, you know, what's that mean for the short term for the rest of this season? Can Tremont Williams be a center fielder? Uh, the jury's out. I hope he can. Um, he's a little bit older now. Um, so uh, we'll learn a lot more on Sunday. Yeah, I do know that uh, the holiday time won't be the same in Green Bay. Children certainly won't be dancing through the snow. Ha ha, Clinton Dixing all the way. But <laughs> I wanted to get your thought on the other trade this week, and that is the Ty Montgomery one and all of the saga that went along with uh, the kick return fumble and maybe some fans' inappropriate behavior and and then the, the eventual trade. Yeah, I, I personally think the whole if anybody out there is making threats uh, to 
Ty Montgomery. It's just wrong. I, I don't get it how people even have the time to do that. Um, I, I didn't think the Packers had to get rid of Ty Montgomery. Uh, I thought he could have survived this. Obviously, it's it's something that would always be a stigma for him. Uh, but I didn't think like, oh, we got to get rid of this guy. He, I mean, he's he's a smart guy. He's a nice guy that I, I think he could have had the mental fortitude to overcome something like this uh, had they kept kept him. Now, that being said, I, I don't think Ty Montgomery is the difference between winning or losing a Super Bowl. Um, so the, the fact that they got you know, parted ways with them, traded them away is not something that is going to be, uh, you know, change the Packers season in a crucial manner. So, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. I I think Aaron Jones needs more touches of the football and maybe this is a way that, uh, you know, one less person to share with. Uh, so maybe that starts happening. So maybe in a good way, this 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 is what the Packers needed. We also want to get your thought on some guys that are currently on the roster. Um, as a fan and as a draft nut, one of the most fun storylines of the season thus far has been the development of Packers rookie, the rookie receivers. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown have both had really nice flashes and it's been really fun to watch. It's just been a ton of fun to watch them grow and gain confidence and chemistry um, with Aaron Rodgers. Um, obviously, Randall Cobb is a free agent this coming offseason, uh, as is Geronimo Allison. Do you feel that these young wide receivers have done enough to make Cobb and maybe even Allison expendable uh, this coming offseason? Yeah, you know, I think it's quite possible uh, that that could be the case. I, I'll certainly uh, give Cobb the benefit of the doubt for the time being, let the rest of the season play itself out, see uh, how much is left in the tank. I mean, there's there's stuff left in the tank for Randall Cobb. I, I just, is he uh, an elite receiver in the NFL? I, I, I don't know if you could make the argument he was never really elite, but I mean, We'll see how the rest of the season plays out before, you know, determining his future. But I think there is a distinct possibility that he's not in Green Bay next season and that these receivers like the guys you mentioned and maybe even Jamon Moore uh, with another year under his belt and a little bit more seasoning can uh, make him expendable. And uh, yeah, I mean, the the future is bright. You, you see these guys and, and they flash uh, and you know, maybe maybe the haha Clinton's dicks things was was a little bit of a warning. There's there's still things these guys got to figure out yet with route running and being on the same page with Aaron Rodgers. They do have to take another step, uh, like haha Clinton Dix always needed to. So, uh, but if they can, uh, and, and it's just a matter of time and and getting those practice reps and and the game reps and and getting in tune with learning what NFL defenses do against them and the quarterback and plan for them. Uh, maybe in time they can become uh, very, very good uh, chess pieces for the Green Bay Packers. So uh, I'm encouraged about them because they certainly flash and, and show a lot of potential in the limited amount of time we've seen them so far. Absolutely. And if nothing else, you have to admit that the Packers probably have some of the best names at the wide receiver position with Marquez <laughs> Valdez-Scantling and Equinemia St. Brown. We don't even call them by their full names because there's just too much to say. We get the MVS and the ESBs and uh, you've got to love love the names that we have on this team. Yeah, the more syllables, the the more entertaining. 
the absolutely poor, <laughs> the poor people who have to sew the names on the back of the jerseys Oof. <laughs> so you you did mention you're not necessarily super optimistic about the Packers hopes against the Patriots um but definitely being very realistic and so we wanted to see what your uh what which matchups you thought um would be crucial in this the outcome of this game I I mean it's it go it goes without saying that I mean the the matchup between quarterbacks could decide this game you know Rodgers and and Brady uh it gets over it's over the top the amount of attention that uh, that that type of matchup receives from you know uh, NBC themselves already had some you know Michael Jordan uh, promo with these guys and figuring out the goat the greatest of all time blah 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 and you turn on ESPN and I'm sure half half the episode of uh, or, or Fox and uh, Skip Bayless is, spends half the episode talking about this because. They can only talk about five quarterbacks, and that's the only thing they ever talk about uh, on shows like that. Uh, but it is true that I mean the the play of those two guys could you know dictate the outcome of the game. Um, if we're gonna kind of look beyond uh, the the obvious here, uh, I mean I would be very interested to see how this new look Packers secondary. Uh, does against the Patriots just because, you know, Clinton Dix isn't there anymore. So somebody's got to play that free safety spot, uh, no matter who it is, uh, no matter what position Bashad Breeland plays, uh, you know, he's going to be a new addition to the Packers backfield. Uh, and I think this would be the week where he finally, you know, gets on the field in a, a green and gold <laughs> uniform. Uh, and that, and just seeing how the young guys like Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson, how, how they produce. So, um, you know, all those things, uh, that, that would be the thing I'm really interested in watching this Sunday. Absolutely. So, so we wanted to say a huge thank you to Brian for taking the time to join us and talk some Packers. When I was first getting into writing about the Packers, and I'm not even sure I had a Twitter account at that point. If I did, I wasn't using it. Um, and my brother told me there are two people in the Packers Twitterverse I needed to follow. One was Aaron Nagler and the other one was Brian Caribou. Um, and he was absolutely right. Brian is a fantastic follow and you can find him at Brian Caribou. And make sure you check out Beer Rock if you find yourself in Madison. Uh, thanks again, Brian, for taking the time to come and join us on the 100th episode of the Pack a Day podcast. Um, so this has been the show. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please remember to follow at Pack a Day podcast as well. Uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast if you're a fan. And tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike and Tyler. Make sure you check us out on Sunday. Jacob and Zach are going to get you ready for the game. You can catch us every single Friday. Uh, and we're going to be back next week with a preview of the Packers' Week 10 home game against the Miami Dolphins. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Rodgers gets the snap. Blitz is on. Rodgers scrambles left. He's winds up rainbow. Bob. He's got Cobb in the 10 to the yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Oh, my goodness. An NFC North Division Championship dagger of 47 yards. Hasselback maybe changing the play of the line. Looks left and right. Takes the snap. Short drop. Quick throw. Left side. Yes. 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 Y
to his left under pressure, rolling right, escapes, right side looking, rainbows high and deep into the end zone, and it is caught, caught for a touchdown, a leaping touchdown, catch is made, and the Packers have won, unbelievable. 